Hey, it's Francis Lamb. In our Key 3 series, we ask some of the best cooks and chefs we know for their three most important recipes. You know, the ones they keep in their back pocket. This time, we're getting into the kitchen with Dale Taldi. Now, I love Dale, and I knew I liked this dude when he told me the story of how he got into cooking Asian food. Because he started as a young cook in a French restaurant. He was just working the line when one day one of the chefs wanted to come up with a riff on an Asian dumpling, right? And Dale's family's Filipino, so the guy turned to Dale and asked him to show him how to make dumplings. In his head, Dale's like, I don't know how to make dumplings, man. I work in the same restaurant as you. But if you're going to turn to the first Asian dude you see and assume he knows all the secrets to Asian cooking, I'm going to make that work for me. So he went home. He watched a bunch of videos on YouTube and came back the next day to school everyone on his ancient Chinese secrets. <laughs> so Dale's a hustler, and he's worked his way up from that moment to being the chef owner of a bunch of restaurants, including Taldi, where he cooks things that reflect both his Filipino background and the fact that he grew up in junk food and takeout-loving America. So we caught up with him for our series, The Key Three, to ask Dale about the three things he thinks everyone should know how to cook. So Dale, thank you for having us in your kitchen. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Okay, so if there are three things you can tell everyone in the world you need to know how to make these three things, what are they? Um, my three things are how to cook a perfect steak, how to fry fried chicken, and how to make fried rice. Yes. My three essentials. Steak, fried chicken, and fried rice. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the steak. Why the steak? I feel like, for me, I'm a newlywed. I feel like, yeah, as, and besides being a chef, and, you know, obviously kind of this is my job and understanding how to cook. Um, I feel like a husband at the bare minimum should be able to cook a steak for his wife and it be special and it tastes restaurant quality at home. So what are your guidelines? What are your tips? So I think, you know, with steak, it's one of the most simple things, right? There's not you don't do much to it. Um, you have to buy a great steak. You have to invest in a great steak. So if you're at the supermarket and you're, you know, and you're rummaging around like the five ninety nine, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine part of a butcher shop, you're lost already. That's wrong. <laughs> Your wife is worth double digits per pound <laughs> for a steak. And you know, for me, you have to be in the nineteen twenty dollar range. Because that's what good beef costs these days. If you're getting into the single digits with beef, it's not great beef. And what cuts do you like? And, I, and I'm a firm believer in this. You, Especially for a, uh, a, a novice or someone who doesn't cook all the time, find a cut, fall in love with it, and make that yours. So if you love ribeye, cook a ribeye every time. Uh, if you love a porterhouse or your wife loves a porterhouse, cook a porterhouse every time. If she's a filet mignon person, cook filet mignon every time. But stick to it and master it. You know, I'm a ribeye guy, a cote de bouffe, and so is my wife, luckily. But if my wife was a strip steak person, we'd be eating strip steaks at my yeah. house. I mean, I understand that a, a happy wife is a happy life. <laughs> so, okay. So, number two, fried chicken. Well, I mean, I'm also a ribeye guy, but I'm really a fried chicken guy. Oh, yeah. So I feel you on that, but I want to hear your rationale. What is your philosophy of why we all need to know how to fried chicken? Because it solves so many problems. <laughs> it, it helps you in life. I mean, if, if you and your mother-in-law 
or you and your father-in-law or you know even some of your own relatives are kind of getting into it just start to fry some chicken it will resolve some problems it really will at the least it will resolve the problem enough through dinner that you can all enjoy dinner together quietly not fight and then continue the argument after we've all dug into a big mound of fried chicken oh yeah but it's also one of these foods where it transcends cultures and so it has so many different variations do you have a thing do you have like that's the way i fry chicken or that's the way fried chicken should be fried so i have a few restaurants and in these restaurants we do them a few different ways we do a rice flour batter um for our korean style and it's double fried um, but we also do a good old southern fried chicken you know there's a lot of techniques and there's a lot of like these my grandmother did it this way my grandfather did it this way and i embrace all those I do believe in a cast iron pan if you don't have a fryer. And I do believe in um, 310 degrees is the magic number if you are doing a dredge of like just AP flour and other seasonings. 310 degrees is that magic number. It is like, you know, it's like John 316. It's like fried chicken 310. 310, 25 minutes. Seriously, it's like Bible. That is some Bible stuff going on with fried chicken. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and the third is fried rice, and you're going to do some of that with us right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go to the walk. Sure. All right. So when you start the magical process of fried rice, and this is like, I want to say like fried rice is the food of my people. It's <laughs> the food of your people, but it's the food of all people because literally no one doesn't love fried rice. And every culture where rice exists, there's a version of this, right? the idea behind making fried rice, reusing old rice. Right. So it's reusing old rice, but often, you know, it's also using whatever else you have in the fridge. If you have some bits of pork left over from dinner, leftover chicken, some eggs, some seasonings, vegetables I, of any kind. I feel like the best fried rice are the two things that I mentioned previous. If you have any leftover steak, which is rarely at my house, but even the leftover drippings, fat ends of the steak, any fried chicken you might have left over, pull yes. that. And then just all of a sudden it becomes like, oh, it's a simple steak fried rice. No, it's, it's supreme now yeah. because you've added two types of protein <laughs> and you got eggs and now you're balling out because... It's uh, fried rice supreme. Yeah, it's fried rice supreme, man. Welcome the Dale's house. The deluxe combo edition. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so when you start, how do you like to set yourself up? Because I think it's usually such a quick process that you want to have things laid out in front of you, right? So how do you like to set it up? So fried rice is all about preparing yourself in advance. So all you're doing is kind of throwing everything in a pan or a wok, stirring it together, seasoning it, and it's out. But the advanced part is where you gotta chop the onions, the celery, the garlic, whatever bits of protein you're trying to burn up in the fridge, aromatics you might have laying around. You have to have your soy sauce out if you're using soy sauce, chilies, all that stuff has to be laid out and that's really the hard part of fried rice, preparing everything so once the wok or the cast iron pan is turned on, you're not doing anything but just adding to the wok and then continuing to stir fry. All right, so let's do this. So growing up, I always had eggs in my fried rice. It was the number one thing. Uh, and then when I started professionally cooking in restaurants, almost all of the fried rices that we started with had egg in it. And if you don't add egg first, rice will stick to the pan immediately. It, it's crazy, the, when I was at Budokan, all the guys there were Cantonese, and they said, start with the egg, but keep it young. And they always said that, keep it young. And I had no idea, I'm like, uh, like 
Like, don't we need, overcook it. Yeah, but I was like, so young chicken eggs? I didn't understand. I was like, what are you guys talking about? But they were just like, just don't overcook it. I was like, okay. But um, that's a very key part of, of the fried rice. Cool. And oh, getting, that walk getting the wok hot. So this process starts with oil and not being shy about it. So you got the pan really nice and hot. Ripping hot. And I probably have uh, four tablespoons of oil in there. Yeah. You stir it around the pan to coat. Yeah, every part of this wok. Oh, I love that sound. Yeah. And that smell that carbon of the wok that you're smelling, that almost breath of the wok that they say, that's important. Yeah. So that's the egg, and it bubbles instantly. Instantly. And now the process starts. So we do shallots, celery. We do pickled jalapenos here. And this is our crab fried rice. Okay. And then I give it a flip. Mm -hmm. So basically we have an omelet there. Yeah. So now what's happening right now is the aromatics are cooking. Right, the shallots and the, the shallots celery. And the celery. And then we let this cook, and now we're just giving it a stir. Yeah. Um, some I salt, some white pepper. white pepper. I can see that it's, I need a little bit more oil. I'm gonna clean off my wok spoon. And then go, in goes the day old rice. Right. The whole point of this wok is to not get sharp. Right. You're not looking for color on anything. It's just to cook it. Yeah, I think that's a misconception of the wok. People talk about like, oh, the wok is great because it's hot and it sears. It's not really about searing, it's just about cooking really fast. Yes. So you're not trying to get the kind of browning and stuff. No, like no, no, not at all. So now we're adding blue crab. So the, the crab is already cooked in this case, so you're just adding to the rice and tossing 100%. it together to warm it all up. Yeah, it's steamed, cooked, picked blue crab. Oh, it smells so good. You're starting to smell that shallot, you're starting to smell a little bit of that celery. I mean, if we timed that, I mean, it might have been three like, minutes, yeah. yeah. But I think one of the important parts of what we did in this wok, um, and if you don't have a wok at home, a large cast iron is keeping it on the heat. Yeah. So for the wok, the motion was keeping the bottom of this wok on the lip of the ring of the burner. Mm -hmm. And it's just a back and forth motion like this. And what we're doing with the wok spoon is pushing the product up and then bringing it back. Yeah. So it starts to flip on its own. Correct. You're tossing it through the air. Correct. You're letting all the sides of the rice kind of hit the wok a little mm -hmm. bit. But in a cast iron, I think most people, if they don't have a real wok, like with all the BTUs at home, you get a cast iron pan super, super hot. Uh -huh. And then you were saying before, you don't move the pan in that case. You're just stirring things around Correct. in the pan. You have to have a utensil that has the surface area to kind of move everything around. I would use like a, almost like a pancake spatula. Yeah. And I think it's less important in a cast iron pan because you're going to get that ripping hot. And it's harder to control the heat on that because it's going to stay hot. When it's a cast iron, just... Oil, eggs, and, and then everyone in the pool. Dump everything else in. Yeah, because it's, it's going to be so hot, especially if you minced. And then you, what you saw here, you saw that the celery, the onions, they were all minced very fine, right? Yeah. A fine brunoise. You can't have big, large pieces because that takes too long to cook. Yeah. So you get your pan nice and hot. You get a nice amount of oil in there. You add your eggs. You give them a quick stir, but really, you just kind of let them fry up together almost like an omelet. Mm -hmm. So you're not really touching it too much. You throw your shallots on top, you throw your celery, whatever aromatics you want to use, and you give the whole thing a flip. So now those things are cooking in the oil. And then you add your rice, and it just looked like you would just stir, 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 stir until everything gets hot. And the whole thing took like three minutes tops. Yes, absolutely. It's a very quick cook. So this crab fried rice, we finish it with a jalapeno aioli, fish sauce, mayonnaise, a little rice wine vinegar, and then just pureed jalapenos. Um, so it's almost this pale green. 
Uh, and then we finish it off with black and red tobacco and a little cilantro, and that's really the dish. That's beautiful. For me, like, when I came to New York, you know, like, there's tons of great Spanish restaurants here. So every time I had, like, that arroz negro, the paella, or the fideos, they always finished it off with a garlic aioli. And I was like, eh, it's such a good move, man. You can eat around it, especially in this dish. We don't, like, mix it in. Right. So you can just have regular fried rice, but then you get a pop of this creaminess and the spice and then a little umami from the fish sauce, and it, like, boom, elevates the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've had this dish in the restaurant, and I love it. But yeah, to be honest, at home, it's like just a big bowl of plain ginger egg fried rice with some scallions on top, and I'm good. Well, thanks so much for having us, man. Dude, thank you for being here and letting me cook you some fried rice. Let's go eat this. No doubt. Dale Taldi is chef-owner of Taldi and the author of the cookbook Asian American. You can find that recipe for fried rice at splendidtable.com dot org.